the high tolerance to risk and failure. You can have the thrill of victory, but you can also have the agony of defeat. Welcome to the Swisspreneur Show, a podcast about startup stories and learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Sylvan. Again, very well welcome to the Swisspreneur Show. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Hi, Sylvan. I'm very happy to be here on your podcast show. Uh, thank you for having me. Of course. You are an angel investor and also member of the Business Angels in Switzerland. And first, we want to talk a bit more about your personal background. You actually grew up in Basel, but also in the United States. What did that feel like or what was that like, actually, as a, you know, to grow up in those different countries? Um, I would say um, it was... Uh, I- it was really, I mean, a lucky opportunity for me. And there were clearly advantages on, on both sides. On the one hand, um, in Switzerland, of course, you have the uh, incredible um, level of, of education, top uh, education possibilities. Uh, but in the United States, you have to imagine, I mean, we're in the middle of the 70s, I'm uh, 10 years old, I arrive in the States, and it's the country of dreams. Uh, we live in a suburb, um, we have finally a television, Fisher-Price toys, and the Americans, some say they're superficial, but honestly, they're accessible, they don't judge, and they're they're welcoming. So, and my parents were smart enough to put us in, in local schools. So um, we were able to become fluent in English, of course, and really get to know the American culture. Fantastic. And you then also said when you actually returned to Switzerland uh, after a few years in the U.S., you found Switzerland quite stiff. In, in what way? Could you describe and elaborate a bit more on that? Um, yes, as I was saying, you know, the U.S. was um, a priori maybe more accessible and maybe a little bit more superficial, but it was uh, for a child that it, it was um, it was actually great and, and much easier. Coming back to Switzerland, I was about to turn 15, probably not the best time. I found the Swiss a little narrow minded and um, and I couldn't yet appreciate the deep and interesting friendships you, you can build and, um, and also the tradition and, and the history of, of, of Switzerland and Europe in general, which is a, a big plus. Absolutely. And to also give people more uh, info about your background, you're also an entrepreneur yourself uh, because then you founded your own company, Transfer Solutions, a relocation service agency that was based in Neuchâtel. And I just wonder what actually motivated you in the first place to go into entrepreneurship? Are there also any entrepreneurs in your family that motivated you or even pressured you to go down uh, that path? Mm-hmm. Well, I had come, I had studied business and I was, uh, I had worked in uh, mass consumer products and, and in the uh, luxury um, uh, industry in in watchmaking. And it's not that I decided to become an entrepreneur. What what really happened was I uh, I saw there was a gap in the market and, um, and I, um, there were few competitors. You have to imagine the international companies in Neuchâtel were not using relocation services they thought you know they could 
do without it. Uh, I had a little bit of expertise in, in business, uh, client acquisition. I was international. I spoke several languages. And to be honest, I loved Neuchâtel and I wanted people to just come and, and settle in, in Neuchâtel. So um, in addition, I was about to have my third child and it was a flexible way for me to combine family and professional life. My family are not really entrepreneurs. They come mostly from liberal professions. My uh, my mother is a professional text writer and translator. And my father, as you can imagine, worked in the pharma industry. Uh, hence the reason why we lived in, in Basel and then in the States. Fantastic. But I think that's also a perfect combination. You know, you saw a market opportunity, a gap that you could fill there, but also really valued and emphasized the, the flexible working hours and work setup to also take care of your family. I think that's a perfect combination why entrepreneurship can be a great career choice. And it's true. And, you know, on a, of course, a relatively small scale, but um, there was a gap in the market. There were few competitors. And actually, when four years later, a much bigger relocation service in Geneva wanted to buy my uh, my company, um, it was also, you know, a way for them to to enter a new market in an already established company that had, you know, uh, clients and and uh, yeah, quite a quite a good business. Exactly. And yeah, you eventually ended up selling uh, transfer solutions and then became a business angel. And that's actually the focus topic that we want to tackle together today. So I think that started in 2014 when you actually officially became a business angel. So first of all, let's look at the starting points. Why did you actually choose to become a business angel? Well, I had just spent 13 years in local politics. I had trained as a mediator. Uh, but I wanted to get back into business and I was itching to discover other forms of investing than the more traditional asset classes. Uh, I didn't want to be just passive, but I wanted to become more involved in the Swiss startup uh, ecosystem and uh, have access to, um, to good startups, basically. Right. And then you also decided to become a member of Business Angel Switzerland. Um, there are multiple organizations and clubs out there in Switzerland that you could join. Why did you choose Business Angel Switzerland specifically? Well, they're the best. No, um, actually, I have acquaintances who were members of, uh, of BAS, as, as we call them. And um, <clears throat> I, I very quickly saw the advantage of investing um, as a group rather than individually. And I liked their way of operating um, contact with other like-minded people, uh, being able to do the due diligence, but invest individually the diversity of the deals, being able to have access to different sectors. And honestly, I enjoyed the dinners, which are on hold for now, as you may know, um, where we were able to, you know, exchange uh, amongst uh, the other members and, and speak about our common investments. Makes right. sense. So it's, it's beyond just investing. It's also about networking and having the right people around you. Yes, sure. Sure. Really important. 
Yeah, it's also important because you can share expertise. You cannot be an expert in all domains. So if you're an individual, either you decide you only want to invest in one sector, um, but if you're basically a, a new angel investor, it's, it's more fun to invest in different sectors, to be honest. And what would you actually say are the most crucial skills for a successful business angel? Um, I would say, well... Um, you want to invest in a group. So you have to have probably um, towards the startup a, a, a mentoring ability, uh, if possible, a little bit of a domain expertise and otherwise know where to get um, the um, the expertise and the references. Uh, a little bit of personal network helps as well. Maybe a business and financial savvy. You want to understand uh, the valuations, very important, especially when they're too high. And if um, if you don't uh, understand all the numbers to the last details, that's that's all right. But understand, you know, the market players and and how they're going to reach the the next milestones. Of course, you can then still um, decide whether you want to be active or passive. But more importantly, is uh, you have to have the right mindset. So, you know, are you angel material? Do you have a long term view? Um, you can't be in it just for the money, but if you do, you know, invest money, can you um, afford to lose it, basically? So, what's the, your ability to tolerate uh, losses? The high uh, tolerance to risk and failure. You can have the thrill of victory, but you can also have the agony of defeat. And most importantly, I would say um, you have to have respect and, and general love for entrepreneurs and startups. Yep. I can uh, only like re-emphasize the importance of what you just said. I also wonder, was there any resource or anything that really prepared you to become a business angel? Like, did you read any specific books or did you just mainly talk to other people who were already active as business angels? Because I can imagine if you just start out, um, it can be a bit overwhelming about where you should start, whether you should invest or not. So how do you go about these early days to also build up the know-how and get more familiar with the terms and how everything works? Mm -hmm. Okay, so well, some of the terms, of course, I was I was familiar with having um, a background in 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 business, and the the terms that are more typical for startups, those I mean, you learn quite quickly. I would say the most important is at the beginning. Ideally, you have a mentor, and we try and do that at uh, at Bass, where new members uh, can have mentors. Let's say we encourage the members to do a due diligence, and then we will say you can have a mentor to help you. You know, no one has to know how to do you know, everything uh, from the start. So you can profit from the members who have, who have more experience, of course. And, and that, that is uh, important. And then honestly, access on the internet, um, you can obtain, of course, a lot of information. Most importantly, get involved in the ecosystem. Um, go to startup days, investor days. Uh, maybe you can once participate in a jury. And this is really the best way to get the experience you need. Yeah. Get yourself out there and you will automatically learn, basically. Sure. And you already mentioned that, of course, money is also part of becoming a business angel. Um, so what is the ticket size? Like how much money do you invest per person per case? Is there an average number that you can name here? Well, at Bass, we invest um, a minimum ticket of 10,000, but usually the average is around 20K and we usually include a follow-on round. So the calculation is quite 
simple. Uh, you want to diversify uh, your investment. So you want to invest in, let's say, a minimum of 10 companies. Um, let's say you were to invest just a minimum ticket 10 times two with the follow-up round. So you basically need, you know, 200,000 uh, Swiss francs. Um, in 2019, Bass invested in 22 companies, of which 50% were follow-on rounds. And uh, what's uh, uh, and in the last few years, we've had investments uh, totaling about three million per year. This year, it's a little less, but so um, uh, yeah. And and the advantage of a group like ours is, of course, we're. Usually, I, we have what seventy-five percent of uh, of the startups we invest in have minimum six or more members, so we end up getting quite you know good tickets for the startups. Awesome, and of course, people are also interested to learn what sorts of companies that you personally like to invest in. Do you have any industry focus or any specific target that you are looking for? Um, actually, I. <laughs> Well, I look at the team um, and I, you know, I have to feel that the team is right and, and um, have confidence as much as possible uh, in the team. But I personally like the challenge of an industry, also an industry I understand a little less because I don't hesitate to get, you know, expert advice. And um, but I like the diversity really of different sectors. I mean, from clean tech to, to biotech, ICT, but and and more and more, I'm interested in um, actually in uh, impact investing. I know it's a it's a word that's being used a lot, but uh, and impact investing touches you know a lot of different sectors. Uh, I've tried uh, the blockchain and tokens. I'm a little less comfortable and a little less successful as well. So. Maybe there are one or two sectors I, I do stay clear of. I think, yeah, that makes sense, uh, depending on the personal preferences and experiences. Absolutely. You already mentioned the importance of the team that you're looking at. Are there any other personal requirements that you have before you actually, or in order to make an investment in a company? I would add, besides the ones that uh, that we uh, try and and I mean look out for and respect at at Bass, which is I mean the real innovation, scalable growth, and the team a low valuation. I would add a clear plan to uh, to the amount uh, you want to raise, the milestones you hope to reach, and ultimately, do you have enough cash? I mean, with no cash, you have no business, and you cannot attract future investors. Valuations are reduced, and etc. And I think we all know what that what that leads to. So uh, make sure you have um, enough cash and clear milestones. Yep. Good recommendation. In that regard, are there also any red major flags that you see in a company where you say, if that's the case, I'm absolutely not going to invest um, I, I come back to the team. If it's too small, a group of founders is not necessarily a team. Uh, if it's not diversified, if it, if you haven't anticipated, maybe uh, at the beginning you have you know engineers, but at one point you're going to become more commercial. So you'll need um, uh, other expertise within your team. Uh, if there's no clear leader, no CEO, if it's, uh, or if they're too confident. And then of course, uh, you may have a great idea, but there's really no demand or you're too early, no market. And again, um, are there realistic milestones? 
to lead to real exit strategy. Yep. Great points, I would say. And of course, we also want to know and hear more about your investment. So I'm not sure if you are able or willing to share the number, but how many investments have you done so far through Boss as a business angel? And how are the companies that you invested doing so far? We just want to get a better feeling about, you know, how many of them after six years are still alive? How many are doing well, um, which are probably a bit worrying uh, you and keeping you up at night? So can you give us some statistics on your investments? Mm -hmm. So um, uh, through Bass, I've invested in 11 uh, startups. The first one went bust after three months. That was a first good lesson. (laughs) Uh, Too emotional. The company was abroad. Um, I didn't meet the whole team. And it was, um, yeah, a sector that uh, that was interesting to me, but clearly um, uh, beginners um, inexperienced. Uh, I have um, five to seven investments that are um, more that I've invested in the last, let's say, five uh, five years. They're clearly in a growth phase, and and I hope they will. Um, I am confident that they will in the next uh, two or three years lead to an exit. So, I mean, that's something in Switzerland we have to know. Uh, getting to an exit is not a question of, of two years. Usually it does take more like five to seven years at least. ICT is maybe a little quicker, but we are a deep tech nation and uh, we have, um, you know, uh, uh, more te- technology in 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 products and and that does take uh, longer to um to to get to an exit um and then i have younger ones which are a little too early to tell no unicorns yet uh, but at best we've had i mean <clears throat> 16 exits of which nine have given a um a multiple of of 2.5 return and out of these nine i mean 30 percent were in the last two and a half years so we're clearly now entering the phase with uh with uh certain exits uh bound to happen awesome we're also going to talk about trends and market developments uh, in a minute sure uh, i'm really curious to learn more about how you see the business angel and investing world in switzerland but before we get there i also wonder if you have ever regretted not making an investment that you had on the table oh sure oh sure i regret especially those where there was then an exit of course <laughs> Fair point. But um, so what I do is, I mean, if um, I, I try and think back on the reason, you know, why I didn't invest and whether it it, um, it it's justified, did it correspond, you know, to my values or was it just a misjudgment? And um, and when it's new technologies, uh, sometimes it's uh, and you're less at ease, you may not want to invest. But luckily, we have follow on rounds, which enable us to then, you know, still enter at a, at a second stage. So all is not lost. Perfect. So yeah, now let's switch over to some trends and market developments. Um, we already heard, you know, a bit that there's more and more money being invested in Swiss startups. I think also the startup ticker with their great reports, they also really deliver the data on that. Do you also feel any positive effect on this trend? And if so, in, in what way at Bus? 
Sure. I mean, uh, interests are, you know, lowest in, in 20 years. Um, private equity as an asset class has had very high performances. Uh, more importantly, angel investing has become more sophisticated and professional. Uh, so organizations like BASS have, um, can uh, give you access to a, a carefully selected deal flow and then with extensive networking, of course, in different fields of, of expertise. So it's more a secure process, more transparent, and uh, you have also better uh, data sources. Another point is that successful founders are not just investing now their, their time and, uh, and knowledge, but also their money back into, into startups. And foreigners are always looking you know, to invest in, in Switzerland. As I was saying, we are deep tech nation with excellent you know, universities, engineering schools. Uh, we have industries like life sciences that are supported by our industries uh, pharma. So um, we have the Crypto Valley in Zug. I mean, with what five blockchain unicorns that either started there or are based there. So we're also, I believe, quite attractive to um, foreign investors. Absolutely. And with the you know the low interest rates, did you also win more members that joined Bass, or how did that show in, in practice, or did it just like? close more investments uh, in a certain year than the previous year? Or how did that really show in practice with the, these uh, market developments? Well, what I see is that, I mean, we have tripled our uh, yearly investment amount in the last 10 years at Bass without having necessarily many more uh, members because we oscillate between um, uh, 75 and 95 members. So, um, uh, so yes, there's clearly, I mean, more money being invested. Is it uh, due to low interest rates? Probably, partly. Um, it's, um, yeah, it's, I think, also the, a little bit of hype and an interest in, yeah, in, in following, you know, new in innovations and being part of it. Exactly. Now, you spent some time in the U.S. And if we actually look at the U.S. in terms of ancient investing, the, this investment class is in general getting more democratized and also becoming more digitized through platforms like AngelList, for example. Where do you personally think angel investing is going in Switzerland? Will we also see more platforms popping up and getting more digital? Or do you think that clubs and the physical dinners, or now happen remotely, uh, will be there to stay and really be the way that we do uh, conduct angel investing in Switzerland? Mm -hmm. uh, well... Definitely. What usually starts in the US tends to come to the UK and then on to the rest of Europe. That's that's for sure. And I mean, uh, online uh, investing platforms offer a lot of advantages. Uh, you have you know more flexible liquidity, uh, bigger deal flows, um, AI powered. I mean, insights and and global opportunities. I mean, you can then invest in companies basically all over the world. Uh, Certain platforms like crowdfunding also enable you to invest with, with smaller tickets, which could also be interesting. If you take AngelList, um, then, uh, for example, they've uh, now have introduced the rolling fund where you can uh, invest at, if I've understood correctly, at, you know, at all times. Uh, you don't have to wait for the, the start or, or the end of a fund, which again uh, adds to flexibility. 
There's another platform, Hatcher, which um, uses uh, AI uh, tech-driven technology to access the most promising young uh, startups. In addition, they have partnerships with accelerators and investors worldwide, which to me is quite an important point. So you have access to over 500 companies. I mean, I speak of diversification with my 11 startups, and I hope it'll soon be more. But And and here you have access to 500 companies, which is, of course, not the same thing. So if you want the highest return with the minimal risk, probably a platform is quite good. But at Bass, it's a little different. Like I said, you know, we were like-minded investors, usually successful founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and, you know, they want to get together and they want to uh, be in touch with uh, the company they they invest in. Um, they want to have basically be more hands-on. So, frankly, platforms, you know, they're good, but investors at the end, they still want to meet the CEOs and the teams uh, face-to-face. Yeah, fair point. And that's hard to replace through a regular platform that is only focusing on online. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Before we continue with the show, we would like to introduce you to our new partner, Nuco. Nuco helps founders navigate the paperwork that starting a company involves. From the first consultation all the way to the commercial register, Nuco has helped more than 900 entrepreneurs start their company, and they do so at highly competitive prices. To find out more, visit nuco.ch slash Swisspreneur. Again, that's nuco.ch slash Swisspreneur. And now, on with the show. So you were also mentioning uh, COVID before. Um, Of course, your events shifted to online, but I also wonder if there has been any shift in trends. So what were the trends that you've been observing and following pre-COVID? And what are some that you notice now post-COVID or in the middle of COVID, actually? Mm -hmm. I would say that, okay, pre-COVID, there was a clear, I mean, trend in life sciences. I mean, biotech, I see it with our investments where, I mean, 30% of our investments now are often, you know, in biotech and and medtech, I mean, digital, you know, healthcare, um, green energy, but also food tech with uh, plant-based foods, the food delivery, uh, which of course we know has uh, been quite successful in the last 12 months, but also the sharing economy with the blah, blah car, Airbnb, and the desire more and more to, to possess less and, and to, to share and profit from, um, <clears throat> it's like uh, being able to, um, um, to um, rent out your car for small periods of time or rent out someone else's car, etc. I mean, all these platforms which are emerging where you can share uh, what you what you possess of course um, impact and sustainability through uh, clean tech but it's also um, transportation for example drones in the medical field but also package delivery although we're still very hampered by regulations how quickly that's going to change that will the future will tell Uh, vr and ar not just in gaming but also in the health sector and education. And then, of course, agrotech or agroecology. I was reading a, an article about uh, uh, farmers in uh, who have um, cultures of sweet beet. 
And of course, with herbicides being, um, um, uh, um, which more and more will not be allowed, uh, what do they do with getting rid of their weeds, which is essential in this kind of culture? So we have startups like Eco Robotics, which is a startup we've invested in, that has developed a robot to um, to fight off these weeds uh, with much more precise and smaller amounts of, of herbicide um, use and, and AI to identify the, the weeds compared to the culture. So, uh, and then of course there's there's EdTech uh, as well, which is um, which is. Uh, I would say an important trend. Then during COVID, I mean, what, I mean, the businesses have had to, um, to cope with lockdown or even shutdown. What are the, um, some of the effects? We know them all. Uh, homeworking probably has not had much of an effect on how uh, deals are done, but the internal performance is certainly less uh, efficient. Um, but uh, as we were talking about just before we started the podcast is uh, clearly advan uh, advantages in, in, in salaries and being able to, to choose the right profile and, and not be um, not having to relocate uh, uh, people. Um, online shopping and the effect on the retail um, uh, business. Uh, customer experience is certainly not the same. Um, so, so what does this uh, really have for an effect on on uh, what will come now? Uh, first of all, what it has done is um, we saw that the government, the Swiss government, they <clears throat> ended up supporting fifty four percent of the startups that asked for uh, credit. Uh, guarantee. So they gave out 93 million, but they actually only helped out 54% of the startups. So there were a lot of startups out there and, and it's been a really difficult time, but maybe um, uh, for some it's, it's been, um, well, it's been difficult, but for others, it's been also an opportunity and, uh, and a chance to accelerate in the, the business they were in. And so um, uh, we see, for example, um, uh, I can give you one example is uh, Abionic. That's a startup we've invested in. Uh, they had developed a, di a diagnostics uh, device uh, for um, uh, for allergies. So what did they do? They managed to adapt the device to be able to uh, offer a five-minute test scoring for hospitals to um, uh, evaluate the severity of the COVID in the patients and do better uh, hospital management uh, allocation. Or Spent is another company we've invested in. They do 3D printing in orthopedics. Of course, they right away saw their revenues come to a total standstill, but they were flexible, used the 3D for um, uh, producing temporary personal uh, protection and emergency uh, medical equipment as well. So for some, you know, it was um, it was a um, yeah an, an opportunity. Um, what I would say maybe also to entrepreneurs uh, they will have to try and and limit the the vo volatility due to government uh, changes which have uh, occurred. If you take, for example, in the um, energy business with co government subsidies which are ending uh, after uh, in first uh, generation power installments. Um, uh, they will have to deal with the reopening of the economy, taking into account, okay, in 21, when will it open again? Some say the second quarter.
quarter, but maybe it'll be later. And who will be vaccinated when? So adapt the numbers, you know, do the calculations also on um, on, on the effect it has on, on the consumers. Uh, but most importantly, and I briefly quote uh, Taha Bava, who is our CEO of Goodwall, who basically says, speaking of the young, that they will have to be much more flexible, resilient, and determined. And I, I draw a parallel to the young people who have such a difficult time right now, uh, either be in their studies, because it's all online, which honestly is no fun, uh, but those, you know, who are entering the, uh, the, the, work, um, uh, the work market and who, um, honestly, it, it's difficult. And we're telling them, you know, you have to be flexible and resilient. Well, I think it's the same for the founders of, of the startups. And there I would add that... Um, those who have either managed to pivot or adapt their strategies, they're, you know, they're doing, uh, they're probably doing a, a little, a little better. So uh, the trends that will continue post COVID, um, I would definitely say the digital technology, maybe even more so uh, remote working, maybe um, have um, uh, more opportunities with VR so we can be together in a room, uh, telehealth care where certain uh, services can be delivered virtually, logistics and deliveries, as I was saying, robotics and drones, AI, you know, in manufacturing, but also healthcare diagnostics, uh, the 5G, the gaming industry, online industry. The, the trends are, are the same, but the digital technology has probably accelerated uh, many of the of the different sectors I, I mentioned before. And I also think what's really interesting to understand here is that the speed and the flexibility to adapt and to just surround yourself and adapt to the new changing markets and opportunities at hand, this is really the crucial factor as a startup, but now also becoming more and more important for you as an individual. And uh, I think that's a great uh, key takeaway here that you keep fit in your head and keep flexible to be able to adapt when necessary. That will just uh, give you so much more advantage. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, if we also speak about industries, so I wonder if you do have to pick two or three markets that you are really bullish on for future, future angel investments, what would you select I think that uh, more and more investors want to understand really how their investment decisions will affect the world around them. Um, there is a definite interest in more sustainable investing and that it can lead to, um, to longer, uh, better longer term uh, returns. Um, <clears throat> human nature is such that it will continue to want to maximize pleasure uh, whilst minim uh, minimizing the cost. Uh, so same with investors. They will want to have the highest gain in the shortest time. We thought that after 2008, that would change, but we clearly see that it has not. And uh, people will not want to give up their comfort um, vacations, eating preferences. So uh, we'll have to learn to obtain more with less. And that uh, is, is really, and that we will see in food where we need to optimize agriculture and or maybe solutions are vertical in urban plantations, as we have seen, uh, save on water, 
and here we see startups like Smixin, where you can wash your hands with one deciliter of water, soap, and rinse all in once. So again, better use of, of water, uh, well, less energy or more green energy, you know, which that's packaging, transport. So in my view, there are three, three main, main sectors. One, of course, is renewable energy. Fossil fuels will have to be abandoned and short term in the short term, we will give, you know, new jobs. We have grid optimization, private electricity producers, um, et cetera. But the main problem stays that uh, we don't have storable energy. And so as long as we have to consume the energy as we produce it, um, well, we, we have a problem. We also know that the batteries, the way they exist today, are probably not a long-term solution. Um, uh, how, you know, supply of critical rare earth um, materials are starting to dwindle, uh, lithium, you know, how, how easily is it accessible and how do we control um, also the, um, uh, the, the commodity uh, price. So probably the future is in green hydrogen, but that's another subject. Uh, the second one is telecommunications. Uh, again, uh, and telecommunication translates into a lot of the uh, of, of the sectors, such as, of course, uh, e-commerce. But it's basically um, to the traditional fixed lines, which will be replaced by um, uh, fixed lines of fiber optics. Um, so, managed data uh, pipelines speed, higher density, which uh, we need, as I said, for e-commerce, but also to reach uh, streams of data and be able to, um, to manage these big amounts of, of data, the way people, you know, interact. Uh, the mo mobile technology, you know, again, there we touch on cashless payments and, and financial transactions in, in general. Um, and uh, the whole domain of computer vision, fa facial recognition, voice interface, voice interface. Um, if doctors want to be able to uh, transmit private data from patients onto a more general um, uh, data platform, uh, then you will need to um, to be able to um, uh, have the security um, through, for example, uh, voice uh, recognition. And then um, you also have... Um, uh, AI, which uh, which uh, is influenced, because for all of these technologies, you will need to be able to handle more data, and with AI, you will be able to um, to get more uh, more precise and and access to to more data and be able to use it. And the third sector is, of course, the health sector. Uh, people don't want to grow old and people don't want to die. And that stays. Um, so uh, nowadays you can repair the body, you can exchange parts. And uh, in that sense, we've made a lot of progress. But there is still one area where uh, it's, it's a big uh, enigma and that's the brain. And so as life expectancy increases, the, um, uh, we have more and more signs of Alzheimer and dementia. So with this comes the ever-increasing third uh, age market where um, the people want and are staying younger and there's a lot of money 
and so this translates into the field of, of digital health um, and uh, of diagnostics, having analysis, anal analyzed data in real time and also predictive uh, medicine. I mean, in Switzerland, 11% uh, of GDP is spent on, uh, on healthcare costs, which is a twofold increase in the last uh, 20 years. So, um, um, so I would say these are these are really the the in a nutshell the main the three main fields. Perfect. I also want to highlight another thing um, that is interesting for me setup wise. You are based in the Swiss uh, French speaking part in the Romandie, uh, but Bas is of course also active in Zurich, for example, and just like in in other locations. So I also wonder if you compare the Romandie to the German-speaking part, how do you think, you know, the, the two ecosystems sort of, um, are they one ecosystem? Are they two ecosystems? What can they learn from each other and how do they compare but also differentiate from each other? So, well, Switzerland, I mean, is is a small market, let's face it. So we have, what, 300, um, 300 startups uh, a year. And in Israel, we have, I don't know, 1,500, just to, you know, to give a, a small comparison. So clearly, the Zurich area stays uh, in the lead with 50% uh, of all investments plus more angel clubs, uh, more startup institutions like accelerators and incubators. You have, uh, well, as I mentioned before, the Crypto Valley uh, in Zug, just to you know, mention uh, one. But different areas of Switzerland are uh, specializing as well. In the Ticino, you have more and more uh, startups in the clean tech. Well, we have life sciences in Basel. And in Western Switzerland, uh, we've come a long way. I mean, the Canton of Vaux has had uh, the strongest increase in investment with 25% in, in biotech, ICT, and, and health tech. Uh, in Switzerland, we're also getting quite a good reputation in, um, in the AI technology. There's uh, some of it in, in Lucerne, but there's also in the, in the Valleys, uh, where uh, the IDEARC has introduced the first master in AI to support well the digital transformation of the Swiss economy and in the last 10 years the health valley has clearly uh, developed um, with I mean over a thousand companies uh, and and um, and we come I think third after Oxford and Cambridge and this is mainly due well to our universities but highly skilled workers and and uh, the possibility to do the key uh, clinical um, trials. We have incubators such as Eclosion, but also Fongite, which I think is the biggest incubator in, in, in Switzerland. And, and it's maybe a, a, something I didn't mention with, uh, with Bass. That is really important. And the platforms do it, as I also mentioned, is having uh, working closely together with incubators and accelerators. That, that's clear because uh, you get um, different feedback. You know how they've been supported and, and, and guided and, and oriented in, in a direction or another. So then we, of course, also have in uh, more and more international companies, you know, like Johnson & Johnson, uh, Faring and Medtronic. Uh, important, uh, very successful startups that are now known internationally, like Sophia Genetics and, and MindMaze, uh, do VR for you know neuro rehabilitation, and um, 
uh, I would say also uh, what we call the Swiss and Nutrition Valley, with of course Nestlé and the um, the um, uh, hotel school in Lausanne. So quite strong, you know, in the in the food tech, and uh, important in um, in uh, well new uh, food. Uh, either plant-based or uh, more in a, uh, supporting the health and um, yeah, basically. So despite the limited market size, uh, there is actually a lot going on and happening uh, in our country, I can tell from your observations. And we, of course, also wonder what is going on with you in the future personally. So what is up for you? You know, six years at Bass now, you built and sold your own company. Do you have any early retirement plans or do you want to stay in active business angels for a few more decades to come? What, what are your plans personally? Uh, I would say that it's an exciting uh, period coming up and with lots of, you know, innovative ideas embracing the post-COVID world. And if um, uh, it's an exciting period because um, hopefully we will have exits with some of the startups we've invested in, this will give more liquidity. Um, on a more personal basis, um, my children have now left home. Some of them have studied or are studying in the UK and uh, I'd like to spend you know more time in in London and discover maybe also another ecosystem as well uh, another aspect is uh, maybe I'd like to also get back to mediation which is something uh, conflict resolution is is yeah important uh, important to me and and there's probably still a lot of things to be done in that domain. And the last point is, um, and maybe even more so now after this, this COVID uh, uh, period is help young families, young people and young families uh, better manage their budgets. Nice. I like that one a lot. I think uh, many people will benefit from support or a good solution there. Yeah. So... Now, I also wonder, you know, if there's like one last tip that you could give to each aspiring business angels, but also to startups looking for funding, what would you give them as a last tip uh, that they should take home from this podcast? Yeah, well, to um, uh, future business angels, I would say, know how much you can invest and stick to it. Uh, use your networking, your expertise um, to give something back to the ecosystem and have fun as well. For Very startups, important. on a practical basis, I would say um, <laughs> you, when you give a pitch, make sure that the uh, you can explain the product and the solution in the first two slides, because otherwise uh, it's difficult to follow the rest of the uh, of the presentation. If you keep trying to think what exactly is actually you know being proposed and what is the solution, so be clear on the product and the solution, and otherwise uh, prepare a careful cash flow plan uh, with milestones. And in conclusion, um, keep your valuations low. If your valuations are low, you'll get you know quicker funding. You can concentrate on your business. You have less of a risk of a down round uh, later on. 
That's right. And to really conclude this episode, we prepared some rapid fire questions for you. Um, this is a bit of a surprise because I usually don't brief the guests on it because the spontaneous answers are the best ones. So I have five questions for you. Um, mm -hmm. Either it's a short question or I give you a selection of two or three options. Okay, good. Are you ready? Yes. So the first one, French, English or German? Um, English. Why English? Uh, because uh, English, well, I should say English for the business world, for um, the the choice in vocabulary. French, sometimes a little bit more poetic, and it is my maternal language. So I guess it's a mix of the two. A good combination. Where do you actually go to think if you have something on your mind that you want to sort out? I go walking in the Jura Mountains. Beautiful. And that's actually a good segue to the next selection, lake or mountains? Mountains and the lake Why? to be more discovered. Okay, perfect. And what advice would you give to your 20-year-old self? You may not know exactly what a decision will lead to, but if you believe in it, then you should go for it. And you should always have projects and ambitions and projects can be changed at all times and go for it. Nice. Would you say that this is also related to listening to your gut feeling or to your heart to a certain degree? Uh, both. 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 Yeah. Perfect. Both. And the last one for you today, you've lived in both countries. Uh, if you had to choose one, Switzerland or the United States? Well, I, that's that's quite simple right now. Uh, although my brother lives in the States, the rest of my family lives in, in Switzerland. My four children uh, live in, in Europe for now. So I say Europe. That's a clear choice. Fantastic. Adrian, thank you so much for taking the time and for also embarking us on the journey of future business angel trends. And uh, we wish you and also pass all the best and lots of successful investments in the future. Thank you so much for your time. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Sylvain. And, and to the startups, if you have innovative ideas or products, then come and present at, at Bass. We're waiting for you. Now that you've finished listening to the episode, why not top it off with a quick rating on Apple Podcasts? It's one of the best things you can do to help us reach more entrepreneurs just like you.